Now, I feel that I've got my work um, cut out for me somewhat um, this afternoon because this passage is teaching. You may have picked it up about protecting purity, um, valuing virginity before marriage, um, champion celibacy. It's just miles away from where most of contemporary culture is today. And so it could be, you know... (laughs) You've switched off already before the sermons even got started. Particularly if you're someone, you know, looking into Christian things, you're thinking, really, got to listen to this uh, now? I'm not sure if you saw um, the 2005 film, 40-Year-Old Virgin. Maybe this is showing my age. But even if you haven't seen the film, you can probably guess what genre of movie it is. 40-Year-Old Virgin. I mean, it's a comedy. It's got Steve Carroll in it. How can someone have got to 40 years old and, and not had sex yet? I mean, how weird and how ridiculous, and there must be something wrong with them. Um, But it's not just out there. I mean, also, it's coming into the church. A couple of years ago, a lady called Nadia Boltz-Weber, a a feminist Lutheran pastor, famously um, on Twitter called on Christian women, do you remember this, to send in um, their purity rings in America so she could melt the rings all down into this golden sculpture of a female private part. And she was saying, let me set you free from the traditional oppressive sexual mores of, of yesteryear, and you can have sex with who you want, when you want, how you want. Culture is miles away from the teaching here. Culture says at best, the teaching of the Bible when it comes to sex and marriage, at best it's, it's ridiculous and at worst it's repressive. So what do we do with a passage like this? Is it still relevant for us today? Are we still to believe it? I imagine not all of us here are convinced by Nadia Boltz Weber. I imagine not all of us are convinced by the current cultural notion that sex is no more than some recreational bit of fun and, you know, away you go. Some of you here know how painful it is um, to break up with someone who you have been intimate and with. You know that the power of sexual love that we looked at last week. We've seen the rise of the Me Too movement, which is crying out for the setting of sex within a moral framework. And you've probably heard some of the statistics over the past few decades of more people living alone in this country than ever before, the collapse of marriage amongst the poor, a fatherless generation, the breakdown of families, and the pornographication of childhood. To name just a few casualties of the sexual revolution. And look, I mean, maybe there are some here today, and you are one of those casualties. You know, it's not brought you the happiness, the fulfillment that you thought it would. So let me encourage us all to, like, look at this, you know, come back to what the Bible's teaching is on this. You know, why does it say it? Let me understand it some more. Let me give it some, a hearing. You know, even if at first it may just seem to us ridiculous, repressive, out of date, there may be more to it than we realize. So come with me to the passage now. Two main things we're going to see from it. First, a song that protects purity, and then a song that never ends. So first, a song that protects purity. This is verse 8. We have a little sister. Her breasts are not yet grown. What shall we do for our sister on the day she's spoken for? If she's a wall... We will build towers of silver on her. If she's a door, we will enclose her with panels 
of Cedar. Now, if you're joining us for the first time today, this, this book is a collection of songs. That's why it's called the, the Song of Songs. And um, we're in the final cycle of, of songs here, and it's a, a song of songs written primarily to um, young single women. And that's why the focus here is on uh, sisters and little sisters. And we hear the older brothers wanting to protect their sister. Um, help her keep sexually pure and defend her name and honor her virtue. And if she is a wall, that is, she is sexually pure and she is a virgin, you think of the image of a wall and it's impregnable and you can't get through it, well, let us build towers of silver honor. That is, let's honor her, celebrate her, decorate her with military splendor. What a victory she has won. But if she is a door... And doors are entrance ways, right, where people can go in and out of. If she's too open, if she's too flirtatious, if she's too lacking in self-protection and purity, then let's enclose her with panels of cedar. Cedar are very expensive wood. Let's do whatever it takes to look after her, protect her, honor her, even limit her freedoms, perhaps, if that's what is best for her. Here is a song that protects, honors, champions sexual purity before marriage. And I hope we can see that the way this is depicted to us in the next verses, verses 10 to 12, there is nothing repressive about it. This is now the woman speaking. The woman, the lover, the wife throughout the song. I am a wall. I have kept myself sexually pure. I did wait for my wedding day, and my breasts are like Taz. Thus I have become in my husband's eyes like one bringing contentment. Isn't that what we're all after? True happiness, true contentment, true fulfillment. Where is it found? Well, the Bible says it's found in protecting your purity until your wedding day. This woman knows that sex is so much more than mere recreational fun. Sex is sacred. It is a gift from God for marriage to unite husband and wife uniquely together for life. And it doesn't just bring contentment, it brings freedom. Listen to him in verse 12. But my own vineyard is mine to give. Vineyard and imagery throughout the song of, of her body and who she gives herself to sexually. It's mine to give. And how different to the view of Solomon who is used here as a foil. Solomon, with his 700 wives, his 300 concubines, his objectification of women, his commercialization of sex. But this woman knows that sex is more than just a meeting of bodies. It's a meeting of persons. Her love can't be bought or sold or exploited. True love is freely given. And this woman will only give herself to the man of her choice within a lifelong committed marital relationship. I mean, what a beautiful picture this does give us of contentment, of freedom. And this is what the sexual revolution promised but didn't deliver on. And could it be that the Bible's had it right all along and we've just forgotten it? That true contentment, true sexual freedom is only to be found within God's good design for marriage. In 18 years of ministry, I have never had someone come up to me and say, you know, Mark, I kept myself a virgin until my wedding day, 
and I really regret it. I mean, how stupid was I? How ridiculous was I? I feel so bad, I feel so guilty, what a waste of my teenage years, how repressed the person I must have been. I've never had that conversation. I have had many, many other conversations of people who've said, look, I thought it would bring me happiness. It's actually brought me quite a lot of hurt, bad memories. I feel pretty guilty. I'm worried about what I'm bringing into the marriage. I wish I could change it, but I can't. Now, if that is you, the latter person there, let me as quickly as possible say that Christianity is good news. Jesus is good news. He has come to forgive us. He has come to cleanse us. Jesus is the sort of person that loves to get caught in the messiness of our lives and bring healing and restoration. So if that's you, come to him and let him forgive you and cleanse you and change you and give you a fresh start. It is wonderful. No matter how bad things get, there is always a future. There's always hope with him. Do not despair. But insofar as this passage is calling us to sexual purity then that is something we are all called to and we all have a responsibility in. I know it can sound somewhat patriarchal here with the brothers like protecting their little sisters. Remember, Song of Songs is written primarily to young single women. But if we looked at the book of Proverbs, that would equally be saying to the young men, you need to be sexually pure too. And we come to the New Testament and there's a call to everyone to be pure in all their relationships. There is no double standard in the Bible between men and women. We are all called to be walls, whether God calls us to marriage or not. I think what's interesting here, and maybe challenging for the expressive individualism that we live in today, is sort of the communal responsibility here, and the role of the family to help protect this purity. And, you know, given it's Father's Day, I mean, let me offer a challenge to, to any father here. To take your responsibility very seriously indeed to protect the purity of your daughters, sure, and your sons. To teach them from a young age God's good design for marriage. To be present with them in their teenage years, to warn them you know, of the dangers of pornography and the objectification of women. Dr. Gail Danes, the biggest sex educator of young men today is pornography which is increasingly violent and dehumanizing, and it changes the way men view women. Fathers, take your responsibility seriously here to protect your children. It was really interesting. We had the parenting seminar on Thursday. Something that struck me there was how several of the women mentioned just how important their relationship with their father was growing up, and particularly in their teenage years, around this issue of sexual purity, such that if the women um, didn't have many boyfriends or you know, weren't asked out very much, if at all, or were trying to fight this sexual purity, it was made all the more easier because of the closeness and presence and involvement of their father in their lives. And that's not just father-daughters, right? It's mother-sons, it's both parents to both children. But do we take this responsibility seriously? Now, as I say that, I'm conscious it's not always, you know, both parents are sometimes not around. Maybe you don't have an elder, elder sibling. But this passage is not just about the physical family. It's about the church family and their support too. Jesus calls us brothers and sisters in Christ. So we all have a part to play in this. Now, to support one another, 
to pray for what it's so hard is it not so hard for any of us to be living these sexually pure lives waiting for marriage or even in marriage with all the cultural voices around us telling us it's ridiculous and it's repressive we need each other do you pray for one another about this do you support one another in this do we honor one another in this Now, I'm not suggesting that we um, you know, build towers of silver around us or put on purity rings, but certainly words of encouragement. The way I see you just fighting for purity in your life right now in such really difficult circumstances and the pressure you're feeling, that is such an encouragement to me and in my walk and in my fight. I mean, the focus here is young single women. Are you young single women fighting for purity? Let me honor you now, publicly. It is a wonderful thing. But we want to be honoring each other. Young men that are living these lives as well. Married to who are living like this. Are you resisting the mocking of the 40-year-old virgin film? Are you trusting God's word as the real path to fulfillment and happiness? Great! Yes, it's by God's grace. Yes, it's in his strength. But let's honor one another in the Lord. We need each other with this. It is so hard. It is so tough. But do you realize what an encouragement you probably are already to others as they see your self-control, your trust in the Lord, his word, celibacy for singles, chastity for marrieds, this protection of purity. And just imagine what it would be like if we were known as a church that, that took the Bible's teaching on sex and marriage seriously that women here would feel safe and protected, that men would know what's expected of them, and that we're all in this together. You come to this church, we pray for you on this, we support you in this, we will honor you in this, in this walk for true sexual fulfillment within marriage, if God is to call us to marriage. So can I call us on all, call on us all, to take this responsibility very seriously, Indeed. A song that protects purity. Secondly, in verses 13 to 14, we also see a song that never ends. The husband is speaking in verse 13. You who dwell in the gardens with friends in attendance, let me hear your voice. Then verse 14, the wife responds, come away, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the spice-laden mountain. So here we are at the end of the Song of Songs, this, this married couple that we've been with for the last eight chapters. And, and what do we get at the end? How does it finish? And they settle down to many years of happy, married life together. No, we don't get that. They had some children. They had a growing family in the outskirts of Jerusalem. We don't get that either. They retired to the Red Sea and spent the remainder of their life together. No, instead what we get here is the husband eagerly desiring to hear his wife's voice. Let me hear your voice. I want to see you, be with you. And then we get the woman eagerly desiring more sexual intimacy. Be like a gazelle. And if there's not been enough of this already throughout the entire song, we get it again at the end. Do you remember how it started all the way back in chapter 1, verse 2? Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. And away we went. And now here we are in the final line of the book. And it's more of the same. That longing and desire for sexual intimacy with her husband. It is a song that never ends. You're at the end, you're back at the beginning, you're at the end, you're back at the beginning, and around and around we go. 
Why? Why does the song end like this? Let me just say, it's probably worth um, pointing out just how countercultural this would have been at the time in such a male-dominated era to have this focus on the woman's voice at the beginning and end and her desire for sexual intimacy. You know, normal stereotypes are reversed here, right? Women like to be talking and listened to. Blokes are the ones only interested in one thing. Here it's the other way around. The husband's listening and the wife's beckoning. But I wonder if the main reason why the book ends this way is because even if we do keep ourselves sexually pure for marriage, and even if we do enjoy the true contentment and freedom of sexual intimacy within marriage, it always leaves you wanting more. It never truly satisfies. More and more and more and more and still wanting more. And that is because the Bible is not first and foremost about an earthly marriage between husband and wife, but first and foremost is about the heavenly marriage between Christ and the church. And this is so important for us to remember. We've seen it week in, week out, but we've got to remember this as we come to the end of this series on the Song of Songs. I know some of you found this series hard. Singles that want to get married, those in really tough marriages right now, those whose marriages haven't made it, those who have lost spouses, it has been hard. But I want to encourage you, give you hope, and tell all of us that if you have Jesus Christ, and if you are known and loved by him, then you truly do have the one relationship that matters. Jesus Christ is the perfect bridegroom to the church. Jesus is the true lover of every Christian's soul. Jesus' love is unquenchable, his forgiveness always available to us. He will never abandon or leave us to fend for ourselves. Jesus Christ was never married in his earthly life. And yet he lived the most beautiful, complete, fulfilled, life-transforming existence that has ever been experienced on this earth. Jesus is the only person in the history of humanity who is kept completely pure. Sexually pure, morally pure, and he did it for you, for me, for us. Kept himself a wall so he could die on the cross for all the times we've let our guard down and to cleanse us from all our impurities, to make us clean and to rebuild the broken walls of our own lives. He's such good news. He does it so we could give ourselves exclusively and wholly to him, the perfect bridegroom, and one day enjoy the ultimate wedding day in which all other Earthly wedding days are just tiny little tasters. Whether you experience that or not. Let us rejoice. Revelation 19, verse 7. The wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Can I ask? Are you ready? for the one wedding day that matters. Earthly marriages do not last, 
even the best of them, it is till death us do part. There's only one marriage which lasts forever. And that is the marriage between Christ and the church. Are you ready for it? Are you preparing for it now? I know it is difficult to be intimate with someone you can't see with your own eyes or hear with your own voice, can't embrace like we would another human being, but Jesus Christ is the most real thing in the universe. He, he was born, he lived, he died, he rose, he is coming back for us. He's given us his word to listen to him, prayer to talk to him. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus Christ? Do you love him? Have you freely given yourself to him? And if you have, then trust his word when it comes to protecting purity, waiting for marriage. If indeed he's calling you to marriage, trust his word when it comes to the limitations of all earthly marriages and know deep down that true satisfaction, true longing, true freedom, contentment can only ultimately be found in a relationship with him. And that is the one love story that will never end. Well, let me pray that for us now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank and praise you for all that you have taught us through the Song of Songs. We thank and praise you for the way marriage between husband and wife is a, is a foreshadowing of the, of the perfect marriage and the perfect love of Jesus Christ to us, his church. Please would you reassure us of that reality? Would you please keep our eyes focused on Jesus? Would you draw our hearts closer to him and a deeper intimacy towards him? We ask Jesus that you would come. Come Lord Jesus, come and prepare us now for this certain wedding day to come. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.